It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. MLSE would like to say we could turn the Argos from a thing that might be worth five million bucks into a thing that's worth 50 million bucks or 100 million bucks. And I think they think that might happen if the XFL thing were to happen and it were to grow. Potentially, then you could see the enterprise value of, of Toronto Argonauts and the enterprise value of every other team in the league growing. You are listening live to Quick Kicks, a presentation of Third Down Gamble. Welcome everyone to the podcast. Don Charbon along with Pat Mooney and Heath Graham. It's been a uh, up and down week here. We almost had frost one day. In fact, we may have. And now we're up around plus 30, just 48 hours later. Gotta love the prairies. There is some wild weather here. At least no snow. Yeah. <laughs> we have Bill C218 passed. It's now got to get royal ascent, but... The question now becomes, is this going to be the savior for the CFL? And So to clarify, it is uh, single-game sports betting, now legal in, or soon to be legal in Canada. It's going to definitely help the CFL. There is money being spent on gambling and on CFL games already. A lot of it is offshore currently. So if we have legalization here in Canada, that money can be wagered legally the government and the CFL are going to get their cut and it's going to help the league. If it's a savior, I don't know if there's enough money wagered on, on CFL football at this point, but it certainly will be a benefit. Absolutely. I'm reading it's uh, estimated $2 million a team and another $20 million for the league. So, I mean, that that's certainly good money. It's going to help in the fact that the number of teams are coming out of losses. But in the long run, that's $2 million that, that wasn't ever accounted for within the the financial situation previously. So I think that's great. An extra 20 million for the league also allows them some freedom to use that money for other things. And maybe marketing is one of them. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I'm not a, a big sports gambler. I like to throw a couple of dollars around here and there. Does this pique the interest for either of you guys to get more involved in wagering on CFL games? Or is it something that's just going to be kind of there for other people to take advantage of, but not something that's going to affect your day in, day out? I'm probably a casual player where I do the uh, TSN Fantasy and DraftKings. I don't spend more than five bucks a week. And and that's exactly the kind of gambler I am too, Don. I I mean, I love to um, put money in. I love the fantasy leagues, but I'm not sure this single game betting is going to have me putting a lot of money out, um, you know, point spreads, etc. on on a single game. I, I have often bet and usually with monks friends for you know let, let's let pick the the winners this week so we get a little pool going on the side and do that and i guess if there was something that i could maybe access into that if that's even a single game i think i'll play occasionally but i don't see myself spending a lot of money on that yeah i think i'm definitely in the same boat as well i mean one of the interesting things that's been happening a lot more in other sports right now is the the in-game betting where there's actually um, as a team's score their win probabilities change and you can re-up your bets and that sort of thing. Um, I have never really even looked into that. I'm more of a lock your picks in on a Thursday and hope for the best by the end of the weekend kind of guy. And uh, I'll continue to be, but I certainly might look at the odd single game here and there. Um, I would definitely have to do a lot more studying before I feel comfortable doing any kind of in-game wagering and and even some of the prop bets that will be available as well. This bill 
essentially deals with 12 words in the criminal code. There's a repeal in, of one section of one paragraph, and suddenly we've got game day betting. Now, the big thing is, and this is the real demarcation, is that you're going to see sanctioned bodies take over game day betting, where before in Canada it was sports select and what the hope is, clearly, is that the money now will be bet legally as opposed to what the speculation is that it could be billions that has been spent illegally. And if you draw in that, and I think the thing that you have to look at in all of this is that excitement engenders excitement. So if you're going with your buddy and saying, I put a prop bet on Hamilton to score two touchdowns in the first quarter, you could get that kind of fun going. Mm -hmm. I, I think the concern always with gambling is that people don't go overboard. And I mean, uh, there's going to be some people who are, I guess, uh, you know, for me, I think it's going to be one that, that I will probably bet on the occasional game when I'm seeing a matchup or seeing something that looks like good odds. But again, it's going to be an occasional betting thing. When you make the occasional bets, it does definitely, as you say, Don, engender uh, some excitement, right? When I'm in with my buddies and I, everyone who's in a fantasy pool understands that, you get bragging rights. So if, if all of us are betting against a game and we've got the ability to talk to one another about our bets and make some excitement for the game, I think that's good for the league as well. Football is king when it comes to where the bets go. Listening to Rod Peterson's show, this is months ago. A representative from DraftKings came on, and this was referring to the 2019 season. And he said, every time the CFL came on on a Friday night, you noticed the big uptick in bets. If the CFL is smart or TSN is smart, that you start looking at that and start incorporating it into the beginning of the broadcast. Promote the fact that there are odds out on this and get people involved. And I think that would, again get more eyeballs looking towards the CFL, get more people excited about what's happening in the CFL. But can the CFL get a stipend from every bet laid or do they just sell the rights to several different companies? I'm not involved in negotiating that deal, so I'm not sure which direction would be more beneficial to them. Um, I, I firmly believe that people that are serious sports gamblers are already finding a way to single bet CFL games. It's not something new. Um, you know, it's an interesting, a weird comparison, but I'm going to compare it to the legalization of marijuana in Canada. It didn't change the lives of people that were already buying and using marijuana. Um, I believe this, this gambling is going to appeal more to the casual bettors like the three of us appear to be that will throw a few extra dollars here or there. And if there's a couple hundred thousand of us in Canada that are like that, that's going to generate that revenue. Hopefully, it will funnel some of that money that's already being gambled into the coffers of these new legal entities, and that will help distribute those funds to the, to the teams and to the league. I think what this does is it gives them a, a, a stronger cushion that will allow both them, and I'm sure the players, as they renegotiate their uh, agreements, will also want potentially a piece of this because we're betting on the players and their performance as well. Uh, I don't see it as being a panacea that's going to save the league and allow them, you know, not to experience financial difficulties, but it's going to be unaccounted for funds that they have now that they did not before. So is it a good thing? Absolutely. Is it a savior? I mean, we look at the history of the CFL and when the league has been in financial straits 
previously, and they basically needed bailout money um, from the NFL. They needed bailout money from U.S. expansion fees and that sort of thing. So it might not be the savior per se, but if it can eliminate that need to ask for more money from outside sources, it'll certainly help. Is it going to be the nine-team league and this is what's going to help them? Or is it something that we look at in the long run with a possible partnership with the XFL and a larger number of teams? And frankly, we'll have to see how the 2021 season plays out, I think, before we can really speculate on the future beyond that. If the CFL could get a piece of every bet laid, I think that would be the best thing possible for them. Because then you're taking a part of the risk with whatever service that you're using, Bodog, DraftKings. If you do that, I think you're more incentivized to push that aspect of your game, that there are these bets out there that game day betting is available to you. Gambling and and leagues have always been kind of hands off of each other, right? The NFL is undoubtedly the largest uh, wagered on league in North America every single week with the fantasy pools and, and in-game betting and all of that kind of thing. But the NFL doesn't really ever promote the gambling aspect as a league. So now you're asking the CFL that's going to be really kind of pushing that. And, and I mean, I know they, you know, there's odds laid on games and there's, there's plus and minus and over under and that sort of thing. But the league itself isn't the one promoting the gambling. So you're saying then it would be in their best interest to sublet, as it were, and allow whatever uh, gambling enterprise that, that wins the contract to, to take care of this. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily in the league's best interest to uh, basically contract it out. I'm just saying that it hasn't really been done in leagues before. So is the CFL the league that's going to be the, really the pioneer in it? Definitely could. There's no reason why it can't. I mean, you're already seeing a lot of TV advertising for online casinos on sports networks, right? Like even watching the uh, the U.S. Open coverage over the past weekend, every commercial break, there was one or two online casinos that were being promoted. So the networks are certainly involved, you're right. Um, can the league ethically do it? I, I don't know. I mean, you get into situations, we've got the... Sorry, we've got the all-time hits leader in Major League Baseball banned from the Hall of Fame for betting on baseball. Granted, he bet on games that he was involved in. It's been a black eye on Major League Baseball for the last 35 years. Does a league want to go hand-in-hand with it? I don't know that they do. The biggest problem that any, any league faces is the risk of point shaving, the risk that a player could be bought. I don't think overall the game is going to be impacted. I think most coaches and players are, are certainly not there. We've often talked about the CFL being strictly a gate-driven and a little bit of television revenue, but this is now one other revenue source that I think is going to give them some. It's certainly not at the NFL level. I've read some estimates recently that the you know revenue, uh, the indirect revenue comes in at $2.3 billion for the NFL. That's a significant portion of money that they do make there. We're not ever going to get that high. I think the time of year that it's going to be most impactful would be if we get back to a regular season, when you're talking about games taking place in in June, July, August, and into September, before the NFL, before hockey, before things that that happen 
I guess you've got soccer going at the time, but baseball going at the time that can still be bet. But those who like football will go to the CFL and, and do some bets on those games during those times. I think that the revenue stream is greater than what we can fathom right now. The question is, with the American market sitting there, if the CFL wants to tap into it, does that mean that they have to tap the XFL? It will be interesting to see if that was part of the initial talks between the two leagues. Will the passing of this bill speed up the process and, and really lead to an announcement sooner than later? I, you know, from, from my perspective, it would definitely make sense what you're saying, Don, that the uh, ownership group of the XFL was maybe looking at this going, if Canada can pass this legislation, then we are on board because we see it as X number of dollars that's going to help uh, help both leagues be successful. Now, just out of curiosity, if you're Kevin Waugh, who introduced the bill in Parliament, or if you're any of the members that really argued in favor of this, does it bother you that perhaps once this becomes enacted in law that the CFL then signs a deal with the XFL? Was your hope that, and I'm just speculating, but was it your hope that this would keep the CFL as the CFL, its own entity. I, I'm not sure that the MPs the, the, and, and now the senators that do vote on those things uh, are, are looking in that way. I think they're looking more at lost revenue sources that would go overseas to someone else. And if it's going to happen at any rate, why wouldn't we recuperate some for our government? I think that's got to be their primary thing. I think, And we have to remember that it's not just the CFL that this bill involves, right? It's it's all sports in Canada. So that's uh, MLS, that's NHL, that's Major League Baseball, that's NBA, et cetera, et cetera. So I would like to think that the perspective of the MPs and the senators is a bigger picture overall than just the CFL. But you're right. I mean, the, the person that proposed the bill is a Saskatchewan MP and the only professional sports team of the, the bigger leagues in Saskatchewan is the CFL. It would be very interesting to talk to Kevin Waugh and see what his thoughts are. It's going to be a really interesting next few months as this gets rolled out. And we're probably going to start to hear about some agreements being struck with different betting places to get this enacted sooner than later. And the fortunate thing for the CFL is that this happened before the summer recess of Parliament so that it could be brought in with royal assent before the season starts. And you've got to think that a lot of these online sports or betting entities are already in place. It's got to be a fairly easy transition for them to, to sign these partnerships with the leagues. You, you can't sit here and imagine that they don't have something in the works and, and ready to go. These websites, these sports books want to get people involved and get them playing and wagering as soon as possible. So I'm I'm positive they're ready to go, and it's just a matter of, of signing the best deal for the league as a whole and, and hopefully generate a, a big dose of revenue coming their way. CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. The other thing that we've got to talk about is the USFL is coming back. And one of the things that 
hit me when this happened was that they kind of walked through a door that was left open. When the USFL saw their opportunity, they took it. And one other thing that's got some clout behind it is the official announcement involved USFL, NFL, CFL, NCAA great Doug Flutie. There's already some name recognition tied to it as well. So I, I think it's interesting. I guess the USFL was probably the most successful competitor to the NFL in its heyday. Is it going to be again? I certainly can't answer that right now, but you're right. They took advantage of of an open window and they burst on through. The Spring League's founder and CEO, Brian Woods, is also behind this. I'm curious about what kind of money he's going to be throwing at players. I'm not sure what Brian Woods will pay the players in, in the Spring League. There, there seem to be most of the players are paying themselves to to get down onto the teams and to be able to play. The USFL did pay players fairly well. Um, you had Doug Flutie made a fair amount of money in the USFL when he was there. So for him to be a spokesman certainly makes sense. And I guess what it tells me is that there's certainly an appetite for football in the United States, whether that be the XFL who's tried it and and was a step ahead prior to the pandemic impacting them. And now the USFL also looking at that idea of spring football and let's throw it in. Fox Sports, of course, is going to televise it. Fox Sports is also a minority owner, but that is and isn't a thing. NBC was involved with the XFL. That didn't work out in 2001. The other thing that I guess I question is we know that people watch some of the Spring League, like there were people who were interested in and watched, but of course you were in a pandemic where there wasn't much going on. I, I do wonder when everything does return to a more normal thing, is there going to be the same appetite that people seem to believe there is? Certainly those investors are willing to put their money in or uh, networks are looking for things that they can host so that they can hopefully pull an audience share. Does the arrival or the rearrival of the USFL impact XFL and CFL? The fact that they're there, it may be that the XFL has taken that as a risk assessment and saying there's a possibility that this could happen anyway, so we're, we're fine with it. But what if they didn't? What if they're caught off guard a little bit by this? I don't know if the CFL remains a nine-team league uh, doing what we're doing. The influx of this sports wagering money is going to be the savior. Then I don't think it impacts much beyond player availability. I think the the two can run their opposite seasons and, and continue to be fine. I think the bigger impact will be if there is a partnership with the XFL or some kind of merger between the CFL XFL the the USFL will definitely have a more direct impact. Now we know the USFL is going to be probably broadcast exclusively on Fox and their affiliates. So you do have three other major networks as well as ESPN, um, maybe some streaming services and that sort of thing that can be the, the broadcast providers of the XFL and CFL. But at the end of the day, you know, you don't see really competing leagues running simultaneously in any other sport right now in North America that are going to have that kind of head-to-head battle, if you will. Going back to your point, Don, about whether the XFL was caught off guard, I do think that they were probably caught off guard on this, and I do think that there's definitely a risk for the XFL. If the USFL does get off first, it's going to potentially draw that audience share. And I, I now am wondering if the XFL would be interested in talking to the USFL potentially about 
merge and, and uh, let's, let's take a look at putting our American products in different places that we know have been successful, both in the previous XFL as well as in the USFL of the past, and try to identify those areas in the United States that would support a team through a spring league. We haven't heard yet that the USFL is going to play a different brand of football. Is Brian Wood still thinking of this as a stepping stone to get into the NFL? He's used the Spring League as that. Is the USFL going to supplant the Spring League, become that vehicle for players? If the USFL gets in first, does that give them the distinct advantage? And I think it does if they do it well. However, over the last decade, we've seen several attempts. Um, the AAF comes to mind, and they quickly ran out of, of capital. So... If the USFL comes in ready to go and with a good structure and a good salary cap and, and pay the players a decent amount, then yes, they will be ahead of the curve and have the advantage. If they're struggling and, and they've gone in too quickly and are trying to get a product on the field and they're not quite ready, then it might just be yet another failed spring league. Well, you think about it, it's June as we discuss this and they're probably going to have to start getting staffs and coaching and GMs and presidents, all of those things have to come together very quickly because if you're going to try to assemble a team, you haven't got a lot of time. You're right. And that's one thing that the XFL in its last iteration actually did well is they had coaches uh, signed and in place long before the season was anywhere near being on the field. And if they're looking at a spring of 2022, you're right, that clock's ticking and they've got to get ready to, to put some names out there with the franchises. At the end of the day, whichever league does hop into the spring football place first, if both leagues are looking to move ahead, I think it will impact the CFL in terms of access to players. I guess, you know, obviously if they're not paying enough or if the CFL is much more lucrative, we're going to still be able to retain players and, and get that share. But if we go back to the USFL in its heyday and, and there was big money thrown around, there's going to be a lot of players uh, from the CFL that are going to want to play there as opposed to coming north to Canada. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble podcast. Audio worth watching.